For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey y'all, this is Josiah Gray and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. As we continue on with our player rankings, I am Nick. I am joined by Trey this episode as we continue on with our player rankings. We're doing second base tonight. Before you do anything, be sure to follow us on Twitter at the Coach Moose for myself and at Reverse Two R's Two S's for Trey in the show at Half Street High Heat. And be sure to check out Half Street High Heat on YouTube and hit that little bell so. You subscribe to our channel and are up to date with all the latest videos Trey is putting out on the YouTube channel. Trey, what's going on? Nothing much, man. I'm just uh, really excited that pitchers and catchers are reporting and uh, the Super Bowl's over. It happened yesterday when we were recording this, so it's baseball season officially. It is. It is. Well, I mean, I might veer back to hockey. (laughs) I am in baseball mode. With with the Mets. (laughs) Um, no, no, it's baseball mode, spring training. Obviously, there's a little bit of buzz going around that feels like wasn't quite there last year, but maybe it's just because my outlook on the Nats has changed since last year. Because we were talking about this on the last episode where I, you know, uh, was with Ryan and Amanda, but like going into last year, we knew or we expected the Nats to really, really be bad, but we hadn't seen it yet this year we've seen it <laughs> like yeah, that, that's basically the difference yeah um so i think that's just kind of lingered Weird. and ha- had an effect on my personal outlook on this team but not necessarily in a bad way i guess it's more just readjusting expectations or reality whatever you you want to call it but yeah the, probably gonna be more of the same I would think so. Yeah. Um, (laughs) 
definitely <laughs> yeah it's definitely just brings the expectation like now you know you've seen it you've right. seen it now you're used to it you know it, what it might look like it could be ugly at times but it's, it's gonna have to be that way for a little while so yeah just gotta work a little harder to find joy that's all <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 for sure but it's there well hopefully it's there you never know <laughs> um all right but yeah we are continuing on with our play rankings tonight like i said we're doing second base um another position that has shifted a lot but not like catcher shifted a lot because of young talent and not that there's not young talent at second base but it's more so you get a lot of utility players a lot of guys moving around the diamond and into the outfield um, some guys switching from short to second, some guys switching to second base this year. And, you know, we're doing our best to kind of project. So it's like, it was unique in that sense that it, it was kind of left to interpretation in some regards, uh, with, with some of the guys we have on our rankings, whereas, you know, just a little preview, we get to shortstop third base. It's going to be pretty clear cut. Um, for the most part who the best of the best are and even that second tier like it's still pretty strong um, but second base it was kind of interesting to dive into the numbers and, and go through it did you have kind of the same experiences when you were putting together your list oh for sure it's definitely hard because a lot of guys are utility guys at this position and could play a different position uh, so we were just trying to figure out who was going to be you know the go-to second baseman for these squads um you know, we also had to take out a couple guys. Uh, we weren't, we're not ranking Trevor story because right. he's going to be missing most of the season with his elbow injury. Uh, and jazz Chisholm is moving to center field apparently. So, uh, he is no longer involved in this list. He would definitely be on it if he was. So, um, that opened up some, some spots, but realistically, um, you know, there's a lot of guys that you've seen before, but definitely a lot more shifting in where they've been because of guys overperforming or underperforming. It's kind of been a little bit sporadic at this position. So um, as a, I'm sure that the the rankings are probably similar in terms of players from mm-hmm. last year, but I bet the rankings themselves are all over the place compared to this year. So uh, it's a little different, but yeah, that's for sure. Um, one thing, and I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but one thing I noticed too, is like there's some guys that were really high on last year that struggled in 2022 uh whether due to injury or you know just kind of a down year and initially i was like oh man are we going to overcorrect like are we going to completely drop them out of our our top 10 or whatever and we didn't because we kind of see the way back sort of um but also second base is a position where it's a lot of guys are just very okay (laughs) <laughs> like at second base, like there's not a bunch of bel- below replacement level talent that's just clogging up second base that it feels like there has been in years past. You know, it's still not like the best position, you know, if you put second base versus shortstop or second base versus third base or anything like that. It's not the best, but there's a that middle class of second baseman is very good, but it also is so deep in that middle class that you know you don't have a lot of guys a lot of names for the top 10 so we actually did have kind of a lot of overlap in our respective lists uh ryan trey and myself just because 
you know, there's guys like, I think I use Glaber Torres as, as an example. Mm-hmm. And I know Yankees fans have some uh, out, not outlier, but like polarizing take on Glaber Torres. But, you know, as a Nats fan and not a Yankees fan, um, Glaber Torres like had a fine year last year. Is he top 10? No, not at all. But there's a bunch of guys like him around the league that are just pretty solid at, at what they do. It's just they're not top 10. So it kind of left us with a shortened list, but it's still a good list in in my opinion. So uh, it's interesting to kind of see how these lists change from one year to the next. But without further ado, let's dive into it. We are going to start at the top once again this week because I kind of like how it flowed last week. Um, so we're going to do it again. Starting at number one, this really shouldn't come as any surprise as a surprise to anyone. Um, he's been the second best second baseman in the game for quite some time. He's the best second baseman in the game last year. And who knows next year, he's probably going to be the second best second baseman again. Um, that's Jose Altuve feel the way you want to feel about him, but you can't deny how good he is last year. 5.1 war, 300 batting average, 28 home runs, 57 RBIs, but keep in mind, he's obviously batting lead off or near the top majority of the time. So the RBI numbers aren't going to be crazy. Still managed to steal 18 bags in his age 32 season, which, you know, 18 doesn't sound like a lot, but especially with the stolen base numbers dropping year after year, stealing 18 bags is solid. And it's not inconceivable to think he could be a 2020 guy this year. He's obviously 33 and you would expect the stolen bases to come down a little bit, but Again, it's not inconceivable to think he could do that. And also, what second baseman is slugging over 900 consistently? Because that's what Jose Altuve did last year, a 921 OPS. Um, I get he's still in his prime. Usually prime goes to age 34-ish before you see a drop-off. So he's technically still in his prime, but he's undersized. Not that that stopped him, but he's undersized and um, and all that stuff. And even though he's what five six five seven, he still hits for power. So it's like you would expect a drop off to have hit him at this point, but it's not. He's consistently, you know, doing things he shouldn't be doing, um, and really improved upon what was already a very solid twenty twenty one season. He went up thirty points, or you know, twenty two points in batting average, up thirty seven and on base, up forty in slugging. Like he was so good last year that it, it it's impossible not to put him at the top in my opinion and trey i know you agree yes i do um <laughs> i mean to put it simply jose altuve had the best hitting season of his career last season and it is kind of strange to think that you know he feels a little older but he's only going into his 33 age 33 season because he's been playing since he was you know 20 yeah, probably so it feels like he's been like he's way older, but he's got a, he's got plenty of time left to continue this. And I, I can't see him not continuing this. You know, I feel like maybe between 19 and 21, there was, a you know, he kind of the opinion shifted a little bit to to some other guys that maybe were trying to take trying to take him over. Uh, but last year pretty much solidified him as the best uh, once again. Interestingly enough, uh, he's actually had the first season with a double digit walk rate which is so funny for Altuve because you think of him as swinging at everything. So 
which he can hit. He can hit well that way, swinging at everything, which so there's really no no issues. But uh, if he's going to also get on base like like this, um, I don't really know how you stop him because he just continues to hit for so much power despite his size, like you said, Nick. Uh, and he's just he's the best. There's there's really no other way to put it. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to spend too much time on him, but you know, you kind of caught my attention when you said it was the best year of his career. So I'm like looking at his by WRC uh, plus. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going <laughs> to get. Should have specified, but yeah, but even his OPS plus was the same last year as it was during his 2017 MVP campaign, where he hit 346, 410, 547 with a 957 OPS. So it's like, yeah, the actual statistics the you know basic statistics don't match up but you know the advanced ones do like he's still very good and that was it's crazy to think 2017 was like six years ago at this point but yeah like it's still i know you know crazy to think he's still doing this i thought for sure he was gonna have a a decline a steep decline at this point and not you know thinking i mentioned his stolen base numbers Earlier, 2019, 2020 was obviously shortened, but 2019 and 2021, he had six stolen bases and then five stolen bases. So you're like, oh, well, he's definitely focusing more on home runs because he had 31 in each of those seasons. But then here comes 2022. He has 28 home runs, but then he has 18 stolen bases. So it's like, is Jose Altuve going to decline? I don't know. But uh, at at this point. You know, you kind of just got to go with what's in front of you and stop trying to protect his downfall because yeah, there's there's really doom. no yeah there's there's really no reason to even we should just wait until he finally has that downfall because right. yeah it's like I don't, it's the Tom it's, Brady effect. Well, I'm yeah, not I mean, yeah. I'm not comparing the two, but people always projected Tom Brady to fail, and he kept just doing the damn that's, thing forever. That's pretty much how we're gonna have to look at Altuve until he actually has the decline. He's the best. <laughs> yeah, honestly. And, or like until someone really else at the position yeah really challenges him consistently not just for a flash in the pan one year type thing that we've kind of bought into the past couple of years even though it's pretty safely been out to bay as the best uh you know each season but yeah jose altuve very solid it's no surprise the uh Astros are working on a contract extension for him right now because he's still very good in the Astros. Know that. So Jose yeah. Otuve comes in at number. They're going to keep him around for like, I can't 100%. really see him going anywhere else besides that team. Right. Agreed. Um, all right. Moving on to number two in this list, who arguably was the best second baseman last year for being honest, but because it was his, breakout year we're not trying to overreact again at least and put him ahead of someone established like Altuve but it it's someone you might not have heard of if you're kind of just a Nationals fan or a casual baseball fan Andres Jimenez out of Cleveland had quite the year last year a 7.4 war 17 home runs 69 RBIs nice 17 home runs, 20 stolen bases. So, again, almost 2020. Not inconceivable to think he gets 2020 this year. 837 uh, OPS, 141 OPS plus. Age 23 season is basically, you know, the big point to this. And I had him second. 
Uh, Trey had him second. Ryan had him fourth, I believe. Fourth. Um, so it comes in at number two in our consensus rankings. So there's all that offensively that I just mentioned. He's also very, very good defensively. And so it's like Cleveland as a city, not even sports specific, but as a city gets, you know, underappreciated or, you know, dogged on constantly or whatever. But their sports in particular, you know, the Guardians constantly get overlooked. And that's in large part due to the fact that they're not very active in free agency and stuff like that. But they've been consistently solid and consistently producing young talent for years now they've never been really players in free agency yet they made a world series back in 2016 and they've been pretty competitive ever since then they're not going through a prolonged rebuild like the orioles had to or the nats are in the middle of right now the guardians produce talent and andres jimenez is just the latest in a long line and you know will probably be replaced by another guy who is the latest this year with how their farm system and player development is working but i mean he's very very good so if there is someone can who can conceivably challenge jose altuve for the top spot i think it's andres jimenez because he's so young last season was so impressive and he's playing on a team that values player development like i i think he could be the guy um you know i agree that eventually he's gonna challenge altuve obviously uh, he's still extremely young, so that's For sure. that could that could take a couple of years. But uh, obviously, going based on off of last year, he was incredible. Um, he is arguably the best defender at the position. There's another guy that I really like, but uh, I mean, he made he made some unbelievable plays last season, and unfortunately, he's actually made a lot of them in the shift. So I wonder how that's going to impact him because I at least you know the eye test some of his crazy plays actually happened in the shift his craziest ones so I, that, old eye test. yeah that, that's just the eye test but um eye test says he's a good defender and the <laughs> metrics agree but yeah so really i was more impressed with his bat last year than anything i kind of knew that he was an impressive defensive talent even as a prospect that was really his main uh his main ability that mm-hmm. everyone raved about when he was coming up Right. But the bat was extremely impressive. He hit for way more power than I even knew he had. Uh, he was a doubles machine as well as uh, hitting 17 homers out of the second base position. And uh, he also, like you said, he stole 20 bags and he was extremely efficient. He only got caught three times. So he has, uh, an ex- he's just a really fun player to watch really. Um, and yes, I think eventually he, he could challenge El Tuve. Uh, and it could be this season. We ne- we don't know if is is he really this good, or was was this just a flash in the pan? And he's not this good of a hitter. We don't know, but I, I'm pretty sure he's this good. <laughs> he seems like he's this good, so uh, I hope so because I really like I really enjoy watching him play. Yeah, he was Cleveland's uh, former number two overall prospect and was a top 100 prospect, which I probably should have known, but found out when I was putting together these rankings. So it's safe to say like he had a high ceiling as a prospect and, you know, maybe last year was his ceiling, but at the same time, maybe it wasn't, maybe, maybe there's, wasn't. Still, <laughs> there's still some um, room to grow because, you know, even his fan graphs, like um, prospect report 
said, like he probably wouldn't hit for power, but if he's going to hit 17 home runs a season, like he's going to provide value, obviously outside of just defense, but he's going to have good advanced metrics to back that up. Like he's, you know, so good at contact as well, that he's not going to be one of those guys that hits like 40 home runs and only has like a 200 batting average. Like that's just not his profile. So if he's adding some power as he matures, and obviously, like we said, he's only in his age 23 season, going on age 24 season. If he's adding power to his game, which was the missing piece, yeah, he could be very, very good. So he's definitely someone to watch, especially if you kind of like the player rankings comparison aspect to baseball or to sports in general. Um, yeah, he he, in my mind, he's the guy that could definitely overtake Jose Altuve for that top spot. So Andres Jimenez, remember the name coming in at number two on our rankings. Also led the league in hit by pitches. I was just about to say that. Like, I, I want to, I don't know. Cause like, I know Anthony Rizzo hits, gets hit by a lot of pitches cause he grabs the plate. Does Jimenez do that? Or did he just have like I, really bad you luck? Know, thinking <laughs> of, I can't really think like, he doesn't seem like he crowds. Like he's not like, way off but I, I can't think of him crowding the plate like like rizzo is literally like on borderline borderline not even in the baddest box right he's so, jose tabra like on purpose yeah, it, it could just be one of those things where he just is able to like successfully lean into pitches and not get called out for it so i don't know <laughs> but yeah that was exactly just, that was an interesting blip exactly all right moving on to number three in our rankings is a guy i've been a fan of for quite some time now a little bit of a rough start with his new team uh, but really picked it up down the stretch and it was good to see because like I said, he, I was a fan of his or have been a fan of his for quite some time. And that is Marcus Semyon, uh, your second baseman for the Texas Rangers last year. And I guess I should mention this. My, when I say war, I'm using baseball reference. Obviously if you use fan graphs or F war. You're going to get a little bit of a different number, but this is baseball reference. Um, his war last year, 5.9 more, 26 home runs, 83 RBIs, 248 batting average, 733 OPS, 108 OPS plus. So Marcus, I mean, by his like recent standards, down year. But if you go from June on, like from June on, the Rangers got the Marcus Simeon they paid for, the Marcus Simeon they gave that seven-year contract to. So he had a really, really, really bad start to the year, like not trying to bury the fact that it was very bad. But he came back strong, and that led me to believe like he will be just fine. Like if you're just a quote-unquote box score merchant and just looking at his stats – you're like, oh, he sucked last year. Uh, I mean, sort of, but not really. Like, he, did he repeat his 2021 where he had 45 home runs and over 100 RBIs and an 873 OPS? No, not at all. Like, his numbers were way down from 2021. But one, the Blue Jays, as Ryan loves to point out, the Blue Jays played down in Florida uh, at the minor league stadium. I can't remember the name of the minor league stadium for Needon or something. Yeah. Or where was it? Was it Jupiter, Florida? Um, anyways, they played down in Florida for like half the year um, due to like COVID restrictions up in Toronto. So that was short porch, warmer climate, inflated power numbers. Um, so Marcus Semyon, Marcus Semyon 
um, benefited from that. And it was kind of unrealistic of any team or any fan to expect him to repeat those numbers. But, you know, you go back to his 2019 season, which again was the last full season, um, you know, after or before 2021, like he had 33 home runs, 92 RBIs and 892 OPS. So like he's done it before. And that was in the Coliseum of all places, you know, not a hitter friendly park. So that's just a long winded way of me saying, like, I, I think he's going to be just fine because he finished the year so strong. If he had started really hot and then cooled off majorly, like if his seasons were flipped, like first half was in the second half, I would be concerned, but because he like figured it out and went on a torrid stretch of hitting home runs, I don't think he had a home run basically up until July and he somehow finished with 26. So I, I do think he'll be just fine. And I know I had him at number three. Trey, I believe you did as well. And I think Ryan did as well. I think that was one of the ones where we all three agreed. Uh, yeah, Ryan did as well. So I think we're all in agreement that Marcus Simeon entering his age 32 season will be just fine. Yeah, no, I, for all the reasons you said as well, it was it was definitely uh, a really bad start for Simeon. And he I think he basically he had like one home run through May. Uh, and still almost had 30 to finish the season. So yep. that's very, very uh, encouraging. And it can, it seems like it can just take those free agents some time to get used to their their new spots, like we've seen with uh, other guys in their second years really showing out. So, uh, But, yeah, the second half was was so much better all around in terms of hitting. He was hitting a lot more line drives. I think one thing that he had gotten used to last year was hitting fly balls and having them just leave the park because yep. Toronto – uh, it seemed like he was kind of having that same hitting approach in Texas, but that park is a completely different beast. It's, it's a Costco not, warehouse. Yeah, it's not going to the, the ball doesn't fly like it does in Toronto. The fences are way further back. Uh, and I think he he discovered that uh, and and actually upped his line drive rate in the second half to over 20 percent. And that really helped him out uh, to become more of a, a doubles guy. Uh, and I think that's that's kind of what I've always thought of Simeon as he had that huge homer season because he was in Toronto, but. He is much better as a as a gap to gap doubles type of hitter, uh, and he basically does everything right. He's a great defender at second base. He's actually been one of the best since moving there from shortstop, and he was unbelievable. I didn't even realize how good he was on the bases last year. Uh, plus seven BSR, that is insane. Extremely efficient base stealer, uh, and he's in his thirties still doing that. So um, clearly they, they like his speed and I think his, his numbers on the bases will probably only go up because of the rule changes. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling Simeon is going to, he's going to have a season, you know, probably closer to something like his 2019 year, uh, or at least right. hopefully approaching that level for this Texas squad next year, uh, based on how he played at the end of the season. And he, uh, actually is striking out even less now. So that's nuts. So we'll have to just see, uh, Hopefully he'll have the reverse luck effect. He'll regress positively uh, for this next season. Yeah. Um, and I also think that team's going to be better than they were last year, which 100% should have a trickle of trickle down effect on the I guys mean, that were solid last year, but should have a trickle down effect on the, the rest. Yeah. Of the team. I mean, we'll get into Seeger, but right. he's, he was, he had a similar kind of path with as Simeon where they both just kind of didn't have it at the beginning of the year. And then they both found it, and they actually played pretty well. They just that, did, that team didn't have the pitching last year, but yeah, we'll see, it's this like year they added some stuff. So they're one of those teams where you can see the path forward to being good. Are they going to make the playoffs? I don't know, but you could definitely see them being like a 500 team 
without really trying too hard to see it, right? Like last year, if you predicted 500 for them, you're like, eh. but now you're like, okay, yeah, they definitely have the pieces. It's just a matter of can they do it over a full 162. So Marcus Simeon coming in at number three. Uh, number four on our list is a guy, I'll admit, I haven't been high on throughout his career, but now that he's five years in and been relatively consistent, it's probably time to give him his flowers. Um, and if you win a batting title, you're probably deserving of said flowers. And that's Jeff McNeil, the second baseman for the New York Mets. Although, is he still playing second base for them? Or is he moving to third? I have no idea what the Mets are going to do. He should be second. Okay. He also yeah. played like left field some last year. He's yeah. another utility guy, but mostly he should be their starting second baseman. Yeah, we're going to leave him at second base right now. I know there was talk of him moving to third, but who knows? Yeah, I think they're Anyways. going with Escobar over there to start. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Jeff McNeil coming in at number four on our list uh, last year, like I said, was impressive with the batting title with 326. Batting average, 5.7 war, 9 home runs, 62 RBIs, 836 OPS, and 100, 140 OPS plus. Um, so the one thing, well, the, the biggest reason why I was never too high on Jeff McNeil is like back in his 2019 season where he kind of like broke out, 133 games, 23 home runs, 75 RBIs, 916 OPS plus. Great season, all-star season, deservedly so. But it... I just didn't think that was going to be him. And to an extent I was right. Like the power numbers have certainly come down. Like he only hit nine home runs last year in 148 games. He only hit seven home runs in 120 games in 2021. So it was right in that regard, but like the, you know, his on base percentage has remained very steady. Um, 2021 was a rough year for him, but he really bounced back last year. His on-base percentage has remained pretty steady. His batting average has been above 300, above 310 uh, four of the five years he's been in the majors. And his OPS jumped back up, you know, 150 points from 2021 to 2022. So it's like, okay, we can pretty much safely say he just had a down year in 2021 and 2022 is closer to who he really is than 2021 was. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, I've been a huge fan of McNeil. He was one of my main bounce back candidates from before last season. And uh, it's safe to say, yeah, he bounced back pretty well. Uh, it's he's such a unique hitter. You know, a lot of guy you can't, a lot of guys cannot hit like this, uh, but because of his bat to ball skills, he's able to, uh, just hit the ball wherever he feels like it. And yep. he can survive off si soft contact because he can place the ball and not it's, it's hard to place the ball, especially in today's MLB when everyone's throwing a hundred. So uh, that, that is a skill that he has uh, over a lot of guys. And that's why I think his, this hitting style is sustainable for, for McNeil because he, he is just so strong, strong bat to ball. And uh, it's definitely, he, I've never really, I didn't even know he hit over 20 home runs in 19. That's kind of crazy to me yeah. because he's not a home run guy. He doesn't need to be. No. Uh, he's able to uh, slash. He's more of a slash type hitter. He likes to go opposite field for his doubles, uh, gap to gap type of player. But like I said, I mean, he you can't you couldn't shift him when there was a shift because he could hit it anywhere. Uh, now you can't shift him anyway, so he's just gonna you know he's gonna be poking ground balls through the through everywhere and just pissing pitchers off left and right. So should be interesting. Uh, but, uh, and, and 
his defense doesn't even get talked about because he's people see him as a utility guy, right? Which he is, but he's incredible at second base as well. So I I like him to be the main second baseman and just put him there and let him let him cook. I mean, the dude is amazing over there at second base defensively. So uh, another really great player expecting him to have another great season. Yeah, utility guys, and I'm kind of guilty of this myself. They get this like negative connotation that they're not good defensively. They can, they're just kind of average everywhere. Um, but that's not the case for McNeil. Like he's above average at several positions. But second base being the position he plays most often, it, yeah, it's time to get him give him his flowers d- defensively too. And back in 2021, it was he kind of got a little bit unlucky in some regards. Like he had a, a pretty good hard hit percentage his BABIP was like 50 points lower than it normally is it was 70 points lower than 2022 so again I do think 2022 is more indicative of who Jeff McNeil is as a player than 2021 was so um, I think he'll be in the top five of second baseman in the future as well um, because He's just been very consistent so far throughout his career that it's safe to say now before we were kind of just projecting or guessing, but now it's safe to say. All right, moving on as we round out our top five in our second base rankings is kind of the first interesting name, so to speak. Uh, And I I don't mean any disrespect in that regard, but like it's certainly a conversation to be had about this player. That's Brandon Lau of the Tampa Bay Rays. So last year, he dealt with a nagging back injury for the majority of the year. Like, it kept him out for a while. He came back, clearly wasn't the same player, and then ultimately had season-ending back surgery. So if you look at his 2022 stats, they were not very good. And he only played in 65 games, so, you know, you can't really compare it to 2021. But he had a 221 uh, batting average, 308 on-base percentage, for a 691 OPS, like only, uh, I guess only, but eight home runs, 25 RBIs in 65 games. Like it's hard to tell who Brandon Lau is at this point because he's really only played one full season so far. Like in 2019, he was an all-star finished third in the rookie of the year, but he only played in 82 games. So, you know, 2021, it was really his only full season where he played, a good chunk of more than half the games. So we are kind of projecting with Brandon Lau, but I do think the underlying metrics and kind of outlook on him shows that he is one of the best or better second baseman in the game. And I do think, you know, provided his back is good and there's no lingering effects there, he's going to be fine in 2023 and show that he is again, one of the better second baseman in the league. Is he going to hit, you know, 40 home runs? He had 39 in 2021. No, probably not. But if he hits above 20 and like 70 RBIs and an 850 OPS, yeah, he belongs on this list and he belongs in the top half. Yeah, and uh, obviously the injury took its toll for him last year. Like you said, he just wasn't the same guy. Even when he was playing, he clearly wasn't healthy. So I'm kind of willing to almost throw this last season away for Lau and give him one more shot uh, to come back and play a full season because his only season he's played as a full season, you know, just discounting 2020 because obviously it wasn't a full year. He was great. So 
you know, we, I, I would, I would hope that in a full, if he gets a fully healthy season again, he'll be great again. Um, probably not going to hit 40 homers again, just because the ball is different and, and also changing all the time, apparently. So <laughs> maybe, maybe he's not going to be approaching those numbers, but 25 to 30, I could definitely see. And that would be a good, good spot for him. Uh, he's got a great approach at the plate. He walks over 10% of the time, which I love. Uh, and his, his strikeout rate actually came down last year, which is interesting. I wonder if he was working on that um, before his injuries and ultimately sidelined him. Or his back just caused him not to swing as much. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. You never know. You never know. So, uh, yeah. So I'm kind of willing to say, yeah, last year he was hurt. Doesn't really – he didn't wasn't the same guy when he did play. I'm going to throw it out and say – Give him one more, give him at least one more chance here to uh to prove that he is as good as he was in 21. Agreed. And like his Babip, like Babip isn't a end all be all statistic, but it is one of those t- statistics that can help like you know build a story, uh you know to a season. His Babip was 263 last year, which was like very very low. Um, you know for context it back in 2019 excuse me his babbit was 377 so it's like you know it's it's hard to pin who brandon lau is as a player like you know using our best guess it's probably somewhere in between those two which if his babbit's going to be raised by what 50 to 60 points then you know his 2022 season isn't even in the conversation or doesn't belong in the conversation he's going to be much much better in 2023 if his babbit kind of regresses or progresses towards the mean so i i do think brandon lau i've been saying this a lot will be just fine um he just needs to to get healthy and i think everything else will fall into place all right before we move on to six through ten on our list let's pause and get a word from our sponsors Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, let's continue on ranking the top second baseman in baseball. Continuing on with number six on our list is a guy who I wasn't high on Jeff McNeil, but I've always been high on this guy since his breakout campaign back in what 2019 was his like real breakout campaign where he was like fourth in MVP voting. And that's Cattell Marte of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Played a little bit of center, played some shortstop, but really has his home at second base. And I believe their GM came out and said he was going to be their everyday second baseman um, for the 2023 campaign. 2022 was a down year for him, especially compared to 2021. 2021, he only played 90 games. So him playing 137 last year, that was an improvement. But otherwise, statistically, uh, kind of had a down year. 14 home runs, or sorry, I'm looking at 2021, 12 home runs, 52 RBIs, 727 OPS, 1.5 war. So, again, he's one of those players. Is he streaky like we've seen? Because, again, 2019 was excellent, 981 OPS. 
2020 COVID season obviously affected everyone differently. 732 OPS, 2021 bounce back, 909 OPS, but it was a shortened year for him due to injury. 2022, 727 OPS. So it's like constantly, it's like this roller coaster. So if you're using the roller coaster method to project Cattell Marte, he's going to have an OPS above 900 this year and he's going to be excellent. Um, but I, I think staying on the field is his biggest objective right now. And understandably so, because the Diamondbacks need him if they want to have any chance at competing in any regard in 2023. Yeah, I was. Uh... I drank the Kool-Aid last year for Marte and uh, it didn't taste very good. So (laughs) I was more disappointed with the fact that he was just a generally poor defensive player at second base. I thought that moving back to his natural position was going to help him because he wasn't a natural center fielder. And it definitely showed when he did play center field and it just didn't, he just was, he just was bad simply. And uh, and it's kind of weird because he was always a great defender over there. So I wonder if, Maybe that was just a blip and he'll figure it out. Um, but it was pretty disappointing, especially because I think I had him at, oh, way up at like number two or something last year. So, um, but obviously he's clearly got that great player within him. The consistency factor is now rearing its head because I was willing to obviously strike 2020 from the radar and uh, look at basically what he did in 19 and 2021, which was excellent. Uh, but maybe seems like he could be a guy that that goes up and down like you said a roller coaster and that's a little scary because uh you don't want to have someone that's unreliable um as like your you know main star player basically so um if he can have a bounce back that's really going to help this squad out i actually think the diamondbacks have a lot of young talent mm-hmm. and could uh, potentially if they were to overperform a little bit could make some noise and at least challenge for to be in the playoff race at the end of the season maybe not necessarily making it but a big reason why they would be able to challenge for a spot would be if Cattell Marte remembers how to be Cattell Marte right yeah that's for sure and the Diamondbacks are good for one of those surprise playoff pushes every few years like I think it was yeah, they what, sneak in sometimes <laughs> 2018. They were randomly in like the NLCS or something um, or like you know, one game away, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, Cattell Marte, like he got a little bit unlucky last year, but again, there it could have been, he just was bad last year compared to his 2021 season, but his Babbitt dropped 80 points. He got a little bit more pull happy than he was in 2021. Um, so he had a really bad start as well. We should mention he had a yeah. horrendous start to the season, yeah. similar to how like Simeon was, but uh, the difference being the defense, obviously. Yeah. Like his hard hit percentage was down. His strikeout rate was up. Um, so it, it could have just been a down year, but I, I think he's just one of those guys that will just need to find more consistency, whatever that looks like. Maybe it's not as high of uh, a ceiling or, as good of a performance as 2019 or 2021, but I do think it is better than what he showed in 2022. And that's what we're counting on in our rankings. Um, you know, I, I believe I had him sixth. Um, let me double check. I had him seventh. Trey, you had him eighth. Um, and Brian did not actually have him. Ra- oh, no, sorry. I was like, did Ryan did not have him ranked. No, yeah, like, Ryan wait, had him fifth. How did fifth. he get to number six? <laughs> yeah, Ryan had him fifth. Ryan okay. had him fifth. 
Um, so I do think we all are still believers in Cattell Marte. And the biggest thing on his side is he's still only 29 years old. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he hit a cliff at age 33 and has fallen out of favor. Like he still got good years in front of him. So now it's staying healthy, getting more consistent. And I think he can do that in 2023. At least I hope he can. All right. Uh, speaking of another interesting name on our list. So you might hear this name. You're like, that's not a second baseman. Well, yes, but is no. now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nico Horner, uh, the Cubs, former Cubs shortstop will now be the Cubs second baseman with the acquisition of Dansby Swanson uh, in Chicago. Um, so, you know, we are projecting a bit, but Nico Horner does have like stats at second base or as a second baseman. Um back in 2020 2021 like he he had it's not a huge sample size but he had a decent amount of games played at second base and trey i'm not going to steal your thunder here (laughs) but his performance at second base defensively was like otherworldly so now that he's sliding from shortstop to second base it he was like a good shortstop defensively but he's in like i said otherworldly defensive second baseman and i think that's only going to help him but offensively he had a great year last year too after not hitting a home run in 2020 or 2021 in a combined you know 92 games he had 10 last year which doesn't sound like a lot but second basemen aren't necessarily expected to hit 40 bombs it's more of a catcher type thing where if you take if you get solid power production from the position you take it but that's not necessarily expected 10 home runs, 55 RBI, 736 OPS, four and a half war. Uh, Trey, you kind of led the charge on him. Why are you so high on Nico Horner? Oh, so many reasons, Nick. But um, (laughs) the main being that he is a natural second baseman and he is, like you said, otherworldly. Let's get into the numbers a bit because I just absolutely love this stat. Uh, In 2021, Horner played 251 and a third innings and had and was plus nine outs above average in that time last year he's a he was a really good shortstop too let's let's not get it twisted really good uh over a thousand innings he had 13 outs above average so in a fourth of the time he almost reached the same outs above average at second base that's how good this guy is over there uh so that is going to be a ridiculous defensive middle infield with dansby swanson joining that squad uh but in terms of the offensive side uh i believe horner is a guy that could actually hit similar to how Jeff McNeil hits. Uh, He is a contact oriented guy. He doesn't strike out hardly at all. Uh, And I think that he could potentially uh, rock a batting average over 300 this year. And he showed a little bit of pop last year, especially which was good, especially considering last year was a down year for power for everybody Uh, to see him, you know, kind of bust through and show some pop. There was, was a good thing. Uh, a little concerned with his on-base percentage, but like I said, I think he'll be able to hit over 300, and that won't matter as much. Uh, but the, the defense is going to be unbelievable, I think. It's going to be extremely impressive, and that's really uh, the main reason why I like him so much is his defense is that good, I believe. Yeah, it's like he only needs to be kind of replacement-level offensively. Yeah, just, just a good hitter. Right. Just, just to be a good hitter and just be ridiculous on the bases and be ridiculous on defense. And, and he'll be go. just fine. Exactly. Just. For, for F4 last year, as a 25-year-old who basically just got his full 
full run at a, at a major league season. So, yeah, that's worth noting as well. Like he didn't even play a full season in 2021. He only played 44 games. Yep. So it's like, he was really just getting settled in, in 2022 and it wasn't at his natural position. So it's like, who who knows what 2023 is going to yeah, hold now, now it's here we go baby. right go. exactly <laughs> and that team again should be a little bit better than they were in 2022 because uh, they're actually signing guys to long-term deals and making moves what a mm-hmm. concept yeah um after they traded their star players in 2020 who knew that was allowed that you were allowed to sign other star players um but anyways i i, I do agree with you i'm on that bandwagon now of nico horner i think he's going to be quite good player in 2023 and it wouldn't surprise me to see him crack our top five next year in our consensus rankings um all right moving on to the next guy <laughs> speaking of one of those guys where it's just like at least for me it's kind of hard to figure out where to put him or just how good he is because the sample size isn't huge it was only his fourth season and really only his second full season but another batting title guy the second baseman representing the you know contact get on base type uh, you know player and that's Luis Arias victim subject I not victim but subject to a offseason trade it was only like the second or third time in MLB history that the batting the reigning batting title champ was traded the following offseason going from Minnesota to Miami in the Pablo Lopez deal. And that, as Trey mentioned earlier, knocked Jazz Chisholm out of his second base spot into center field, which will be kind of interesting to see how that shakes out too, because second base, obviously you want good defense, but it's not necessarily regarded as like the premier defensive positions. Those belong to catcher shortstop and center field up the middle. And, you know, if you want to get technical, second base is up the middle, too. So you can probably put second base as like fourth on the list. But it will be interesting to see how Jazz Chisholm goes from fourth on the list to top three on the list in a very demanding center field position. But anyways, we're talking about Luis Arias. So Luis Arias, the new Marlins second baseman last year, like I said, AL batting champ, 316 batting average, 375 OPS, 420 at Slugging percentage for a 795 OPS, 4.4 war, 130 OPS plus. Um, again, it, it's hard for me to like really figure out. It, it sounds kind of silly to say because his batting average over his four years of his career, 334, 321, 294, 316. It's like, this is basically Jeff McNeil. I'm falling into the Jeff McNeil trap again because I see the home run numbers. I'm like, Oh, he's not that good. Like I'm falling into the common baseball fan, like trap that Jeff McNeil had me in the blender. So I probably in should have Luis Arias higher, but I don't know. It wouldn't shock me to see him not do well in 2023. And a lot of that has to do from going from the weakest division in baseball to probably the best division in baseball. But what do you think? You know, I'm kind of with you. I, uh, I'm i a big fan of Arise. I think his hitting approach is really fun, and I think he is able to con- – he'll probably still be able to continue to hit for average. Um, but, yeah, the I don't love the fit of this Miami roster in general. I think it's weird, and their outfield is strange, but we'll get into that another day. But, uh, uh, you know, Marlins Park 
Lone Depot Park, whatever it is now, it's a chasm. Uh, and, you know, for Arise, who's already not a power guy, who already struggles to hit homers, uh, that's going to be that's going to be tough on his power numbers. Um, and, you know, you're not looking for for a ton of power from this guy. I think he'll still hit for a fine average. Uh, I think what he's going to have to do is probably prioritize on base percentage a little bit more and try to work some more walks. Yeah, um, because otherwise that's that lack of slug is going to is going to come back to hurt him a little bit. Uh, I'm also curious to see how he adjusts being a full time second baseman. He played second base uh, last year, not full time, but he was good over there when he played it. But we'll have to see how getting even more reps, uh, you know, affects that def- defensive ability. He can also play multiple positions, which is good. He's not necessarily great at any of them, but he can play them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll have to see. It's it's going to be weird. I don't even know if he's going to end up being their full second baseman or if he'll end up moving to a different position because it's the Miami experiment, as I'm going to dub it, is is going to be uh, worth watching just just to see what they even do with that lineup. So. Um, I still really like Arise. I think he'll he'll be a fine player for them. It's just uh, not my favorite fit. Yeah, agreed. And like for Minnesota, and obviously I'm not in the front office. I don't know their reasoning for trading him, but he's only 26 years old. So like in theory, that's a guy coming off a batting title. You want to keep around to build up a young core but they viewed him as expendable. And Pablo Lopez is solid. I'm a big Pablo Lopez fan. So I get wanting to add pitching, but, you know, to trade it, a, a guy, this young guy with all these years of control, like I, I'm almost like self-concern, self-confirming, biasing myself in like, is there something we're not seeing that the twins saw that say, hey, let's sell high on this guy. So I, I think that's, you know, part Jeff McNeil trap, part self-confirming bias, part like what are the twins cooking type of thing with Luis Arias. But we'll we'll see. Um, but again, with the NL East and specifically the pitching in the NL East, it would not shock me at all to see Luis Arias kind of plummet uh, and honestly have the worst season of his career because he hasn't had like a bad season so far. So uh, I guess that's kind of a, a, a low bar for him to hit having his worst season of, the, of his career, but the pitching's good and he doesn't have like exceptionally high walk rates to kind of sustain his production. It's been a lot of bad to ball skills and you have a lot of strikeout pitchers in the NL East. Yeah. And last thing about rise is I, I think he's definitely one of those, uh, high floor, low ceiling type of guys. Like, you know, you're going to get a solid performance, but like, is he really on the next level? Uh, I don't know. And I think uh, we're going to, I guess we'll find out. We'll see how he fits with Miami, but um, I still really like him as a player. I just, I I just don't, I just don't know about the fit. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Well, we talked about Luis Arias. Let's talk about the guy who's replacing him, so to speak in Minnesota. And that's Jorge Polanco. Uh, this is a guy I was very high on last year. I know that um, split time between shortstop and second base, but now with Carlos Correa joining the twins last year, and then obviously being re-signed there after a drama filled off the hell happened in the offseason. Yeah. Um, Jorge Polanco figures to be the second everyday second baseman for the foreseeable future for the twins, or at least until he hits free agency. 
um, last year. Down year from 2021, but it's like still solid. Like it's still a respectable year. 16 home runs, 56 RBI, 751 OPS, 2.8 war, 117 OPS plus. Like Jorge Polanco, I thought he could like challenge for a top five spot, but now I'm realizing like he's he's gonna live in that six to ten range at second base. And that's gonna be fine for him. Like he might have another all-star year. Um, you know, some whether it be in 2023 or down the line. Um, like he might have those spike years like he back, did back in 2019. Why did every second baseman peak in 2019? It is, it is everything. <laughs> it's like, I think, I think it's because of the ball, man. You know, yeah, second maybe. basemen aren't of power <laughs> position, but I bet the home run totals for second basemen were probably historic that year. So I'm there like you go. looking at all of these, <laughs> these players, like just reading these stats, obviously real time. And all of them had their all-star campaign campaign in 2019. I'm just like yeah, everybody, hell, everybody, everybody was eating in 2019. Yeah, everybody eats. Um, but yeah, I, I think Jorge Polanco, like he's just a solid second baseman. He's above that middle class that I mentioned earlier, but he's not quite tier one or probably not even tier two, but he is top of tier three and just a solid guy. I can see why the twins felt okay moving Arias in that regard because they had a guy in Polanco they could slide in and honestly get more power production from so you could kind of you will trade Arias's bat to ball skills for Polanco's power or I guess Correa's power whatever you know you want to uh, compare but Corey Polanco is like a solid second baseman solid shortstop he has some versatility as well um, so I, I think the twins are fine in that regard, but Polanco as a player, he needs to be better than he was in 2022. Like it certainly was a down year for him. Um, but I do think again, 2019 and 2021 are more indicative of who he is as a player, like a OPS around 800 than last year where his OPS was down 50 points or so. Yeah, um, uh, I actually have pl- had Polanco a little bit uh, higher. Yeah, on my you list. were high on him. Um, and I think oh, the reason for that is due to his uh, advanced metrics. Kind of, he was pretty freaking unlucky. Uh, his uh, slug, he ended up with a 405 slugging percentage, for example, uh, but his expected slug was 451. And that completely changes the entire landscape of his slash line with 50 extra points of slugging. He still ended with a 119 WRC plus. He actually changed his approach drastically to take a lot more walks. He doubled his walk rate from seven to 14.4%. That is at the top of the league. That is, that is very high. So I'm wondering if uh, he's going to revert to his old approach and because it didn't really work for the power uh, this year, or if he's going to continue with this approach and maybe some of those numbers come back to come back to the norm. And you can see that power spike along with the on-base percentage. And then you don't, then, we never really know he because his his walk rate, if that stays the same and the power goes up, you're looking at a ridiculous hitter. Um, but uh, in terms of defense, he's never really been. That's not really his strong suit. Uh, it's all about the bat with him. So really got to see that bat come back. I think he he has a chance to actually have a big year this year. Uh, he also wasn't completely healthy last year. He only played 100 games. So uh, if he can stay healthy, uh, that twins team is really weird. I don't I, I think that there's a way that they could be really good and i also think that they could also be bad and just t- totally disappointing like they were last year so uh, a lot could have to do with with polanco if he has a huge year for them that could be a big reason that maybe they make a playoff push 
Yeah, they're the AL Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, that. pretty like, much. They, they're pretty they're much. good for a playoff push every like they, three they, years or they so. They can do it, but like, will they? I don't know. Yeah, probably <laughs> not. Um, so yeah, it will be interesting to see how Jorge Polanco does and the Twins do in 2023. All right, moving on to number ten and rounding out our top ten second baseman is a guy that, again, kind of difficult to figure out who he is or what he's going to be, and that's Gavin Lux of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, I will preface this, this by saying I don't think we've seen comfortable Gavin looks, if that makes sense. hundred uh, percent with you. Th- they brought him up in 2019 for 23 games and he was fine. He was only 21, but he was fine. And then 2020 again, COVID year still basically prospect status type player played 19 games, was really bad. And then 2021, he was a full-time player, so to speak, 102 games, struggled, but, you know, that they acquired Trey Turner, and they had, um, yeah, they still had Corey Seager at that time, right? Corey Seager got yeah, hurt, and then they yeah, traded. He, he was playing, uh, he had, they, they had him in left field. He's never played outfield before last, right. the last season. Like so he definitely the, was not playing to where he would be comfortable. Like you said. Right. So it's like, you know, he, again, he was fine, but certainly not comfortable. And we didn't haven't even mentioned the fact that he plays for the Dodgers. It's not like he's joining the Nats where there's really no expectations. You just got to work on getting better. Like, no, there's expectations with the Dodgers. They're trying to, go places and achieve things. And that's not an easy situation to just be dropped in the middle of, um, especially around guys like Mookie Betts and uh, Trey Turner and, and Freddie Freeman and Will Smith and all the guys they have over there. Like it, it can be very intimidating. Now they're still the Dodgers, right? But he has basically two full years under his belt in 2021 and 2022. And, he can kind of settle in at second base. Like, yeah, he played second base the majority of the year last year, but you know, he, what I think he was a shortstop coming up. So like, he's still kind of settling in as an everyday second baseman at the major league level. And there was kind of some thought that he might switch over to shortstop with the departure of Trey Turner and free agency. But then the Dodgers went out and traded for Miguel Rojas. Who's a very, very, very good defensive shortstop. And probably going to be like a very, very good offensive shortstop uh, this year, knowing how the Dodgers are. So, uh, again, I I just think Gavin Lux 2023 will will be the year he really settles in. And I'm expecting an increase, a bump in his numbers from 2022. And his 2022, again, was not that bad. Uh, 2.5 war, six home runs, 42 RBIs, 745 OPS, 105 OPS plus. So just above league average. Um, and it sounds like Trey, you agree. Uh, what do you kind of think of Gavin Lux long-term or, you know, in 2023 or both? Um, I think I'm a fan in both cases, really. Uh, like you said, he just hasn't had a consistent role on that team. And listen, some guys can, can play like that. Some guys can be a utility guy and have success, but it's hard and not everyone can do it. And Gavin Lux seems like, if he can settle in at second base and be a, be their second baseman, he's going to have a good year. He's a good defender over there. Uh, it's clearly a strong position for him defensively, way stronger than he is in the outfield. Uh, and 
I really like his plate approach. He is a guy that will hit the ball all over the field, hits line drives, uh, gets on base via the walk uh, at a good clip. I think he has the potential to even raise that walk rate uh, with, uh, I really, he's very, very patient at the plate. So definitely uh, a guy that I could see increasing that walk rate even more. And uh, I think it's just about the bat. As long as the bat can stay to uh, just above average level, I think the glove is going to improve even more as he gets more time over there at second. Uh, and he's, this is a guy that people are not talking enough about at this position. I have not seen a single ranking besides ours that has Gavin Lux on it. Not once. I, yep. If you have one, let me know. I'd love to see it, but I haven't seen <laughs> any. And yep. I feel like that's kind of that's kind of BS, man. This guy's on the Dodgers. Like, I know the Dodgers are being weird this offseason because they want to go off after Otani like next year and stuff. So, but like this guy's really good and people should pay attention to him. And I think he's going to have a great season next year. How funny would it? Well, let me back up. Who's the Dodgers third baseman this year? Because Justin Turner's gone now. Do we know? They've probably signed somebody. Yeah. I'm probably just. But they haven't done, they haven't out. had the big signings that they're, they're right. I haven't like, I don't know what they've done really. It feels like they've done nothing, but they definitely have done stuff. Uh, I was just gonna say, like, it would be so funny, so funny if they signed Manny Machado next year, and like he's, <laughs> he's obviously played for LA. the Dodgers. Yeah, he played for the Dodgers before, but they like hate him now <laughs> because the Padres signed Xander Bogarts, they have Fernando Tatis, who I, I get is right fielder now or left fielder, whatever they're wherever they're gonna play him, but like they have so many long term contracts, they can't keep them all. And Machado's going to opt out. I mean, they could, but they're not going to have any depth, which was their problem last year. Like, they already, you know, lost a bunch of their pitching. So, and they're going to run out of prospects. Yeah, they just re signed uh, Darvish, too. So, like, a. Yeah, that was they, weird. Yeah, that was weird. They, they signed him through age 42. I mean, I like Darvish, but. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty insane. I think they, they just added more nuts. years to lower the AAV, which makes sense. But I don't know why you wouldn't just do the you know, deferred money thing that the Nats do. But anyways, um, yeah, back to Gavin Lux. Um, I, I think he's going to be solid. <laughs> Granted, he's got to learn to live with the pressure and expectations that come with playing in L.A. and playing for the Dodgers. But I, I, I do think he's probably my pick to skyrocket up these rankings. And Yeah, and... Yeah, he's. We'll look smart for it because yeah, we're well, one obviously that would be that would be awesome. I like looking smart, but obviously, a big thing here. Also, he's twenty five. Yeah, like <laughs> he's real young too. There's a lot of like, a lot of young talent here, but uh, I definitely like Lux heading into next season, yeah. uh, potentially being one of the studs in that lineup. I mean, uh, with the departure of Trey Turner, they're going to need a guy to. Uh, you know, he's not going to hit like that, but you know, they need a dude at the top of that order that can, that can hit the ball. So uh, I think that's, that's a good spot for him. And the, again, going back to the first thing you said, it's all about that comfort level. I think that's going to be a huge deal for him to, you know, be the main guy as a second baseman officially. Now he's not playing for a job. It's his job. Yeah, for sure. All right. So that rounds out our top 10 again. Uh, just to recap our rankings, uh, Jose Altuve takes the top spot, followed by Andres Jimenez, Marcus Semien, Jeff McNeil, Brandon Lau rounding out the top five, and then Cattell Marte, Nico Horner, Luis Arias, 
Jorge Polanco and Gavin Lux for the top 10. Did you have any honorable mentions? Uh, yeah, you mentioned Glaber, and that was pretty much the the only guy um, as well as Ozzy Albies. So I feel like we should probably talk about him. Yeah, a bit. Ozzy Albies. Um, that that's probably one where we probably overreacted we, or overcorrected. We, I didn't. I would okay. just like to point out that oh, I, that's true. That last year I was already not that high on Ozzy. That's Albies. true. That's true. So, sure. <laughs> no, but obviously he was injured and. Um, I don't know. He just hasn't been like a consistent hitter. So it's tough. Uh, we, we don't really know what he is at this point because last year when he played, he was, he was pretty bad. And then he had some unfortunate injuries. Um, so it's really just going to de- depend on this year. Maybe we overreacted by leaving him off entirely, but he would probably be like my number 11, number 12 guy. He's right on the outside for me. Right yeah, now, so- but... Someone's going to call us out on. Yeah. We'll definitely get roasted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, forgiving Brandon Lau but not ranking Ozzy Albies. Like I could definitely see someone calling us yeah. out for that. And yeah. in hindsight, I kind of agree, but you know. Eh, you know. It, it happens. Um yeah, I forgot how good he was in 2021. Yeah, one of them's a brave and one of them isn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's what it was. Um can I uh offer up a hot take? Absolutely. I love hot takes. I don't know how hot this is. I'll leave that up to you for the uh, temperature gauge on on this take. Um, Jake Cronenworth, most overrated player in baseball. Overrated? Damn. Yeah. Well, maybe not in baseball. That's a lot of players. Yeah. Overrated overrated second baseball. Overrated in general, you think? Overrated second baseball. Yeah, I don't even know if he's playing second or if he's... No, he's second. Well, I guess I don't know about this year. Well, yeah, he's definitely playing second because they have Xander and Machado on the left side. So And he's been been bouncing around positions. Yeah, but like he has... He does get a lot of buzz. But at at the same time... For being like kind of good. He hasn't. Like he's played different positions, but he still played the majority of his games at second base. Like last year, he played in 158 games. 147 of them were at second. 2021, 152 games, 94 of them were at second. And he only played so many games at shortstop because of the injury to Fernando Tatis. And like back in 2020, which was his debut year, 54 games, 38 of them uh, were at second base. So it's like, yeah, he has versatility, but he's still their second baseman. So that's why I'm like, including him in this topic. He definitely could be considered a utility guy as well, but I just, I think he's so overrated and you know, he's had two all-star years. Him being an all-star last year is like wild to me. I I just, I think he wasn't on the initial wave, but then someone got hurt and he made it in or someone, one of the pitchers like opted out. I do not remember, but yeah, last year, I think think he's overrated. Last year, I'll agree. All star status was maybe a little overzealous for him. And like, that's definitely a hot take because I I don't think he's overrated. I don't think, I think he's a good player, and that's about it. I think. So I think he's a good player that gets regarded as this like great player. Yeah. I think it probably also, it was probably because of his 2020 year where he was kind of a really big piece of that offense and they made the playoffs for the first time again. So. A lot of a lot of people are attached to that, but he's still he's still uh, definitely a solid player, though I would I would say. But I mean, yeah, he's re- you know, I'll put that, that that's on the hot scale. That's definitely yeah, hot. He's regressed 
you know, pretty decently like each year. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I just think he's overrated and I wanted to point that out because like I saw him, you know, Gavin Lux was off a lot of lists. That's because Jake Cronenworth was on a lot of lists. And I'm just like, oh, he's not really in consideration for me, at least not top 10. So just had to throw that out there. Everyone loves a good hot take. <laughs> All right. What do you want to do next? You want to do shortstops or third baseman? Uh, shortstop. Yeah, shortstop. We'll go, we'll go, we'll just shortstop. go around the diamond. Go around the diamond. Okay. So, num- uh, you know, you could go by the numbers. The numbers well, always that's why I asked me. I yeah. always like every time like five is third base. Why is five <laughs> third base? Like I'm always thinking about going just around, you know, counterclockwise there. So I got you. All right. So next <laughs> week we'll do shortstops. So again, that has some real star power to it. So that'll be a fun discussion as we kind of like nitpick, so to speak, as to why we have a guy second instead of first. Or yeah, it's third. gonna be it's gonna be gonna be really tough. <laughs> yeah. So that'll be a fun discussion with. A bunch of recognizable names um so be sure to tune into that and be sure to check out halfstreethighheat.com uh like i said last episode we just hired six new writers um so we're going to be pumping out content every day sometimes multiple times a day um so be sure to check out the site and like i said earlier check out half street high heat on youtube tripe putting out great stuff Every single day. Well, not no, not every single day. Every single week. No, that, that, not that, quite. <laughs> that would be cool though if I could. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, every single week. I believe you have one coming out tomorrow or the next day. Well, actually, I don't know what day this is going to air, so I'm not going to promise that. But uh, the week of February 13th, Trey has a video, possibly two videos coming out. I'll put it that way. That is that is true. That's that's yeah, correct. There we go. Um, so be sure to check out Half Street High Heat and subscribe to our YouTube. Uh, Paige, Trey, you got anything else before we head out? Let's go baseball. Let's go baseball. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, that does it for this episode. We might be back with a normal, regular half street high heat episode. Might not. Don't know yet. Really depends on like the news cycle. We might do something for pitchers and catchers reporting, which will be Wednesday this week. Might not. Um, but we do have an episode of the amateur update coming out this week with Monty and new Half Street High Heat team member Will uh, as they preview the start of the college baseball season. So be sure to check that out uh, this week. And it'll, that'll be on this um, podcast feed. So you won't have to go searching for it elsewhere it'll be on the half street high heat podcast feed so be sure to be on the lookout for that this week as monty gets back to his superb college baseball coverage all right that does it for this episode in the meantime as trey has so eloquently put let's go baseball there's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the potomac a new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents the nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later
By the early light of dawn, well, you can see they're running scared. Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air. Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look. Cause we're putting curly W's in every book. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done